This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back. We are dissecting another Marvel Universe film with Ant-Man and the Wasp, so stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Today on Anatomy, we enter the quantum realm with Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans, Phil, how are you? I'm good. I'm Phil Svitek. We are missing in action Marissa Serafini. She is truly in the quantum realm, <laughs> but she will be back. Fighting her way back. Indeed. We will rescue her by the end of this podcast. Awesome. Anyway, we've got lots to discuss. As always, a couple things right out of the way. Uh, if you want to follow along, we do have our rundown in the description but. That way you can follow along. It's a PDF and get all the various tidbits that we might not always get to. Secondly, it is spoiler-filled, especially when it comes to Marvel. We're not only spoiling this movie in a sense, but the entire MCU. Yeah, sort of, kind of. Yeah. Luckily, more so, and we'll talk about this at great length, this is a bit of a standalone film, apart from maybe the Stinger. So, um, in that sense... Less things will be spoiled. And thirdly, by by all accounts, we, we enjoy your commentary, so please do comment along with us, uh, whether that's on social media, whether that's in the comment description, whether it's via ratings, however you want to participate and let us know how we're doing, we welcome it. Without further ado, though, Dimitri, <laughs> overall yeah. impressions for the fall to Ant-Man. I, Ant-Man and Wasp, to me, continues what I've been affectionately calling the summer of fun. This is a highly enjoyable, entertaining movie, uh, which I just, I really enjoyed from beginning to end. Uh, it, it, for it being a Marvel movie, it doesn't require what I've called MMM, which is Marvel Movie Memory, which in a lot of the most recent ones, you need a lot of Marvel Movie Memory to, to know what they're either in characters are talking about in the relation to like how did they get over here particularly in uh infinity war a lot of that comes into play but this marvel movie is as much of a standalone movie as any marvel movie can be in this day and age uh, and that's one of the aspects that I really liked about this movie uh it was a lot of fun the humor was fantastic uh, I like that we got uh, more Michael Douglas, uh, more of our elder actors. It was, it's for me recently, it's always been fantastic to see Michelle Pfeiffer on screen. But I also like Evangeline Lilly taking this role and and taking a lot of and, and doing some great action. It's really weird for a movie that's called Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? Ant-Man is almost a secondary character. It's almost as if that character is along for the ride. And he's there to help out, but he's not the main character. It's very ensemble. This doesn't have your villains with high goals of taking over the world or the universe. They're more or less these the the these they're more or less obstacles for our for keeping our heroes getting for where they need to be. 
And the movie is a rescue movie. And I like that it's about Hank uh, and, and, and Hank Pym's trying to get his wife back from the quantum realm. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of the story. The rest of the cast, like Michael Pena, they're back. They're really funny. Our action set pieces weren't over the top, like 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 huge set pieces. They were perfect for unless this you movie. count Ant Man. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like yes, they I weren't do. like it wasn't like it wasn't huge the world saving. It wasn't Wakanda right. ready yeah, to. And, yeah. <laughs> and they were, and they made fun of it, like Ant Man using a pickup truck as like a scooter. Mm-hmm. Like visually, that stuff's funny. So uh, I liked Ghost. She was a really good character. I mean, the the new additions here, they can be part of the team later on. I don't know, but I really uh, liked how everybody fit in uh, in this movie. And, and like I said, I just had, it was just pure fun for me to watch a Marvel movie. In fact, I'll put it to you, I'll say this. I had more fun watching Ant-Man and the Wasp than I did Avengers Infinity War. Well, I can see that because it was a more fun movie by yeah, design. Yeah, yeah. But I, and I had more fun watching it. Yeah. Well, for me, I did like it overall. Um, I do have slight nitpicks with it. One of them, I mean, if I just watched this movie as a standalone movie, I think I would enjoy it a lot better. But the fact that a, it, it does come after Avengers Infinity War, there's such an anticipation of, okay, where is this going? And in that sense... I always like to move the plot forward. Sure. This quite literally doesn't move the plot forward. It's just, in fact, we are back in time. Right. And the only time we, we get to the any sort of present is is at the at the Stingers. And, of course, that's not really a big reveal. I mean, it, it is in some sense, but we knew that people were fading away. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but but to your point, that's actually one of the things that I liked about this movie. Well, it no, made I'm, I'm me forget I... about that. It made me forget about that bigger world so that when that stinger came, actually the stinger sort of kind of like I was like, "Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, it's running parallel with what's going on." And then I'm like going and you had to like blast like not one person outside of Ant-Man. I thought it was half. <laughs> there was like not one person could 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 have like been alive. No, because then they could have gotten him back. So I get the cliffhanger aspect, but I was like, oh, of course. I just threw my hands up in well, the air again. I mean, I just had the same sentiment because it didn't. At the end of the day, it didn't move anything forward. It just Never. confirmed who, as far as these characters were concerned, was here and who wasn't. The, you know, I think this movie, whether whether it tied in greater to kind of what was happening versus being a standalone movie. I thought Ghost was a perfect villain, non-villain, yeah. and spend more time with her. Because I love Walton Goggins, but he was, to me, misused in this movie quite heavily. It was just, an, it, it was, it was just another thing to track and worry about. Yeah. And it seems so surface level, whereas Ghost, let's, let's go a little bit deeper with her struggle. And in fact, by the end of the movie, we don't, really confirm kind of what's going to happen with her right but you do know that she's uh for lack of better words fixed right like her her, her quantum, i would say stable like stable stable um and you're right like walter goggins character uh and i i enjoy walter goggins a lot anybody could have played him i'm glad that it was him uh his outside of the double cross 
You know, he's just keeping them. He was that one added hurdle, keeping them from getting the uh, 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 um, the work, the, the, the laboratory, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which I, again, I thought was really fun stuff. He was just another obstacle for our from our heroes keeping our heroes from being able to try to extract uh Mrs. Pym from the quantum realm. Uh I, I didn't mind him. Uh I liked it, but you're right about Ghost. I thought she was a very intriguing, interesting character and played really well. Um uh trying to uh, let me I'm pulling up the actress's name. I thought she was I thought she was fantastic. And it was really it was great to see a fresh face. Absolutely. Do this, you know. Um, Hannah John came in. Yeah, she was really good. Really, really good. And what, what, what's so interesting about her, you know, like like with um, sort of Westerns, this happens a lot, where it's a villain that you understand. It's not just like right. the stereotypical, like, as you mentioned, the stakes aren't take over the world. It's she's fighting for her life, and therefore that's an opposition of what our main characters are after, and that creates the conflict. Mm-hmm. But, but objectively, neither is good nor bad. You know, and True. in the end, the fact that they, you know, could come together and they do, but I felt it could have been a lot stronger and really test each other's ideologies more mm-hmm. so than uh, than was happening. Really? Because, well, the other thing that I enjoyed about Ghost uh, Ava was that at the end, when she, when she was uh, healed, it became stable. Right. Lawrence Fishburne, uh, who we come to find out through backstory, he was partnered with Hank Pym, and he was trying to uh, make her well again and failing. Uh, but he he kept trying regardless, right? He kept trying, and once she becomes healed, he's like, "Okay, we can go back into normal life." What I really enjoyed about the writing was Ava's like, "Yeah, but like you said, I hurt people." Like, you know, these people are going to come after me now because I did some bad things to get there. I like the realization that, oh, my head, you know what? I I actually I did some bad things. I I didn't necessarily mean to. There there, there was a means to an end. That really wasn't me. And I understand that Ava, it appears, has her prior to whatever happened to her happening. She had a good heart. She was a good person. You know, and now she has to sort of kind of be on the run. So it's going to be interesting um, in future Ant-Man movies uh, if this character shows up again and how she's either escaping part of the team or what's going to happen. To me, she would be a very welcome addition to the team. I I would like so. And, and, you know, this movie in a lot of ways is Hank's movie. And I think... You know, the realization of all the bad that he's actually done and how selfish he actually is. I don't know if, like, for as fun a movie it is, this was some of the darker side of the movie, and it never gets as deep as it could have. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would like to have a redemption story. You know, one of the things that makes um, his daughter so so tough and such a strong woman is because she she... It's fine to go up against uh, Paul Rudd's character and and her dad, right? And call them out on their BS. And mm-hmm. I think that that could have been a nice shift as far as you know their arcs there. Yeah, and Evangeline Lilly. Let's face it, it, it this is a 
she's great in this role. Okay, and 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 again, when we're talking about women in film and strong women, strong women superhero characters, she's really good. Has the great sense of humor, right? Can put can put Ant Man in his place, uh, and actually stand up toe to toe with uh, with Michael Douglas. And I think more need be said too about Michael Douglas. For me, it, it really was great that they gave this character more to do. He was in The Last Ant-Man, not a lot, but he's way more in this movie, and it was good to see Michael Douglas back again. I mean, this is a guy like who was just box office gold and so popular uh, and where anything that he did, whether it be Basic Instinct, whether it be Fatal Instinct, uh, or Fatal Attraction, I'm sorry, uh, um you know, Black Rain, Romancing the Stone, working with Danny DeVito in, like, The War of the Roses. This guy was box office, you know? And things happen. You get older, things progress, uh, younger actors come up, but you don't see these people as much anymore. But I think watching him as Hank Pym reminded me, God, it's really good to see him on the big screen again, you know? And I like the character of Hank Pym. And you're right, he too has to learn. Too, he has an arc. I well, like it's it. interesting you, you, when you when you break it down like that. It's kind of not that this is him in any sense, but there is an interesting parallel um, where you know, kind of like Hank Pym, he goes away for a while now. He's as Hank Pym resurfacing back to his research and finally yeah. getting the results. Um, but the, the, where they obviously differ is the fact that uh, I, Pym is actually quite narcissistic. Yes. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> and arrogant and, you know, and very st- stuck in his ways and believes he's he's his way is the only way. Um, and I did love him against Lawrence Fishburne in terms of their opposition. Me too. And again, th- those to me were the strongest points. And that's why, like, just, just eliminate the fluff. We don't need it because there was so much fun around that. Did you think Hank Pym is a little bit like a Tony Stark? Kind Except of. he doesn't have, you know, well, he's, he has the Ant-Man suit, right? But he is narcissistic. He has a big s- sense of self. Uh, it was interesting to see this this Dr. Bill Foster, right, that they have to go uh, and get some help from. Um, but but the, even the way that Lawrence Fishburne played it, at least at the very beginning, you're like, he, he, he really likes to see Scott Lang. And they can talk about their experience wearing the suit, right? And and obviously he knows Hope Van Dyne. And he seemed to be doing it more from them and sort of kind of getting back in the game. Of course, there are other reasons that you come to find out through the movie. But I like that scene when they go into his uh, his office. At, uh, I believe it was the college campus. Yeah. I thought, that was, I thought it was a really well done scene. Uh, and then you, you, you got to hash out why they broke apart. And mm-hmm. a lot of it was uh, Hank Pym's stubbornness. Absolutely. You know. And that's what makes it so interesting. Even when the the twist comes midway through the movie that he's really on Ghost's side, it it doesn't make him a villain, just like it doesn't make Ghost a villain. It right. just, if anything, it further elaborates that Pym is just, you're a bad dude. Yeah, he could have had help from Pym. You're like, like they, they could have worked on that together. Um, and you're right. It's not like they're necessarily villains. I, I said this before. It's one of the things I really liked about this movie, especially when you have those shades of gray between people. And in her case, she's just trying not to die. 
And when things, when the clock is ticking and they're thinking that they're out of resources and she like, even Bill Foster has a conscience where he says, you can't go in there because you could possibly, possibly tear her, uh, her meaning Janet Van Dyne apart. You know, so even he had the conscience and she's like, at this point, it's either her or me. Like, I'm going to die. I need to do this. We don't know whether it will or whether it won't. And the great irony, and I think the really sweet part of it is that it is Janet Van Dyne who ends up helping her in the end when they extract her from mm. from, from that, what is it, the multiverse or the quantum the realm. Quantum realm. Indeed. Yeah. 30 years in the quantum realm. So let's let's talk about that because that is the catalyst for, for all of this. Um, essentially, Scott is just a few short days from freedom. Right. After all that happened in Civil War. Um, and then he has these, these visions. Um, and he, he can't help himself but reach out. Via the uh, the emergency phone, and then obviously then comes in, um, then comes in the PIMS. Right. Uh, this is uh, I don't know. You, as far as the catalyst for all of this, I thought it was an interesting way to kick off the movie. You know that that essentially it's kind of like a dream sequence. Sure. That that, that uh, I don't know celestial col- col- connection, if you will, uh-huh. um, to the two. Yeah, I like the, I like this for a couple of reasons. I like this beginning because it sets up something. And again, you didn't have to ne- you didn't necessarily have to be familiar with Captain America: Civil War because I think through through clever exposition that didn't feel like it was necessarily exposition, they got the idea across that he did something that he shouldn't have done. He's on house arrest for it, right? So they explain that away. You've seen Civil War; you know exactly what that is. And I liked how they set up Scott's character because at the end of Ant-Man, you figured he's part of the team, right? Everything's hunky-dory. You don't think of the ramifications or the consequences. You didn't think that he actually stole the suit. By the time Ant-Man ends, you think the suit's his, right? So, one, there's consequence, right? And then with this whole new, like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Like, and then getting getting uh, the pins involved, right? And how are we doing this? And there's still that connection to to that quantum realm. Again, if you didn't see Ant-Man, you still know what's going on. And that's where I thought the script was clever. You understand that there's a connection somewhere. You'll learn about the quantum realm because they re-educate us on that. And that's well, what that in a sense, for. I think you're better off not watching that movie simply right. because the science... I don't know how consistent it is. <laughs> the laws of physics keep bending they do. faster than Doctor Strange can even sure. <laughs> conjure up. Because, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the, the big fact of it being that he escaped the quantum realm without any sort of help. Right. And it's like, wait, how is that possible? And then, okay, maybe use him and whatever <clears throat> knowledge he might have, which, to be honest, in this movie, he doesn't really have the knowledge. They just need him. Um you know, to to get her out. Well, I got I I got that they needed him because he showcased some connection that that neither Hope had or Hank had. Okay, so he when he was there, 
Uh, he had established, well, actually, I think that the way it was explained, that Jane uh, established this connection through Scott mm-hmm. coming through. So I liked the idea about how they were doing uh, the quasi-dream sequences, mm-hmm. the hide-and-seek, uh, looking in the mirror. So there was that connection. And again, with that, I'm not a quantum physicist, scientist, whatever. It just the way they explained it, it made it easy for me to go. Oh, okay, she did this to him. He's he's plagued. He's got this thing in his head. They understand that. There, he's the connection. Like that's it. Ant Man's the connection that they need him. He doesn't need anybody else, and they need to get him back in there to get his wife. That's yeah. The way I took it, simple. I don't know. It, I just have a slight problem with it because when you look at movies of this nature, like Back to the Future, right? Sure. The flux capacitor is what makes time travel possible. Right. That's all you need to know. <clears throat> what the hell is a flux capacitor? Doesn't matter. It makes time travel work. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Jurassic Park. The amber in in the mosquito. Yep. That's what makes dinosaurs. Okay, got it. This is just too much. I think that's the problem with this movie. There's just a little bit too much on the periphery. And if we just clean that up. You needed the Fantastic Voyage ship to get smaller and smaller and smaller until it just ends up in the quantum realm. Because it's so small. That's the way I took it. And, and, and I think that's the way it was explained in, in Ant-Man. You know, in, in, in if, if, and I'm sure I'll be corrected if I'm wrong, which is fine. Please um, be kind. But if I remember correctly, it's like, yeah, you don't want to get so small to end up in the quantum realm. Oh, what's the quantum realm? Quantum realm is bad. Okay, you don't want to be in there. Okay, I don't, I'm not going to go in there. And we know that he's going to end up going there. So here it's like, yeah, I got to go back. Like we're gonna, And Hank now, too, will have the opportunity to go back. Well, he does go back. Mm-hmm. So I like that he was able to do so with the uh, what do they call it the bridge, the the, 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 the yeah I know what you're talking it's yeah the, it's basically a long runway that that just shrinks and shrinks and yeah. shrinks and kind of gets longer because it is able to shrink so right. just you know a one meter distance the smaller you get seems a lot larger over time right um, so so I, yeah visually I thought. Everything worked quite well. And I mean, at the end of the day, the, the mystique of the quantum realm, I do appreciate it because, you know, I think just like an actual science, it's, it's the great unknown. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you can have so much fantasy around it. And Absolutely. as you mentioned, the way Janet comes back and is able to save Ghost with, with essentially is being dubbed like quantum powers. Right. Well, in the quantum powers, too, they, they, they sort of... My interpretation, so she's she's rescued it and it's with um it's with her husband. Right? So they're in the I'm just gonna call it the fantastic voyage ship. And they're having this dialogue, and she says something to the effect of you don't know what it's you don't know what it's like being in there for thirty years. Um it changes you. And I was like thinking, uh oh, Whenever a character says it changes you and you have all these powers, I was just like thinking, uh, thinking of like Gary Mitchell from Star Trek where no one has gone before. Like you get this power and you become like this godlike entity. And I was wondering, is there anything sinister here? Because now she's changed. She admits she's a changed person. Um, but thankfully, well, at least not now. Well, I think it's like all things, right? Uh, you know. 
there's there's a good side to it and there's a bad side to yeah. it, right? Like, you know, people think that the internet is evil. No, it's the way we use the internet that makes <laughs> right. it evil, True. if anything. But there's also a lot of upside to the internet. Yeah. Um, and that's just one example of millions Good upon night. billions. Yeah, and it was just, I like that dialogue. But in the end, her love hadn't changed. And neither has Hanks. Or neither has, you know, neither has uh, uh, Wasp. Uh, it, it, like, the family dynamic was there. And that's what I liked about this movie. It was, a, it was in a sense, a, a rescue movie. Because there is the hope that mom is still alive in there. We can get her. We have the technology. It was just the technology was being stolen. And, oh, my God, we got this ghost to contend with. And then we learned about Ghost, too, and how she became and what happened to her. Um, Part of, you know, Hank. You can point to Hank for that, too. (laughs) Well, part of, again, what was so interesting, like, from, from Hope's perspective She's obviously doing this from the perspective that this is her mother. Right. However, she's also doing it from a more altruistic reason that, uh, you know, her mother left because she was doing something greater than herself. Yes. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate that about her, whereas, in a sense, um, Hank is doing it from, a, from love and guilt. Yeah. Love for her because he wants her back, but guilt because he, he's the one who caused this. Or yep. he, you know, his suit wasn't working, which, in essence, you could kind of put back on him because it's his malfunction right uh that he yeah. wants to fix yeah and i you know what i actually enjoyed those flashback scenes too to me they did not detract from the movie they only added um they had something to do and um i got it and it, it again for me it really helps that it was michelle pfeiffer yeah, you know it's, it's, it's to see michelle pfeiffer as a superhero and working across from Michael Douglas, for me, that that was exciting. And they both showed up to play. Like, they, like this isn't like they phoned in their performances here. They really liked their characters. Absolutely. So I really, uh, I really enjoyed the flashback sequences a lot and how she got lost into that realm. How she took over that mission uh, because well, he couldn't. Well, you know, as far as Michael Douglas, he wasn't contracted to do any more movies, but he said, like, hey, if if they have it, I'll gladly take it. Yeah. And so they, you know, they toyed around with an idea. They toyed around with a prequel or a sequel, and obviously this is more of a sequel, but it does have prequel elements. So mm-hmm. the, they got their wish in some sense in one movie. And then, uh, you know, they they thought of Michelle Pfeiffer and got her and... Yep. You know, she liked the script, and the rest is kind of history from there. Yeah, and Michael Douglas had read the script twice, <laughs> you know? And, again, if you're going to... You're making a sequel, in it, and I think it was somewhat brave, because you're... Like, Hank Pym is, in a sense... Hank and Hope are your, your, your main characters here. And the movie is called Ant-Man. But you're, there's way more Hank Pym in this movie, and, and Hope, for that matter... Uh, in trying to uh, in trying to obtain this goal, so it it's Ant Man, but it still takes a little bit of a different track, and then we we get more of Hank Pym, so we get we learn more about him, we learn about Hope, uh, and, and that I for a sequel I appreciate that it wasn't just making things bigger and better. It's sort of funny when you're talking about an Ant Man movie, but they actually took time. 
to to to, to think this out, to write this out. Uh, well, which is smart. Scott Lang's arc really was his <clears throat> central thing is like why why is it that I try to help the people I love the most, but I end up hurting them, and that's why he's so resistant against this idea. Like whoa whoa whoa, I got three days left. I get to be with my daughter. Like, not, no, I'm not doing this. Right. And yet, the biggest catalyst for him to really do what he's doing is his daughter. Because she yeah. recognizes, and, you know, you can kind of look at it like, like she looks at him no different than, let's say, people, like young kids used to look at a firefighter. Larger right. than life. Right. Like, oh my God, what you're doing is amazing. And obviously what firefighters do is amazing, mm-hmm. but now extended to a superhero, it's like, wow. But what we don't, realizes, okay, what does a superhero have to do day-to-day? What does a firefighter have to do day-to-day? And I think she has an understanding of it that most kids, when they idolize something like that, don't. Well, I agree with you. And and, and let's give credit to Abby Ryder Forsten, uh, Fortson as well, who plays Cassie. Uh, adorable. But at the same time, she is innocent. She's able to uh, bestow her dad some wisdom. And it was in the trailer... But it reaches a, a, a good height and arc in the story when she goes, well, maybe you need a partner. And he's like, a partner? He goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, he's like, well, like you? She's, and she, even she's smart enough. Well, I was thinking of, yeah. you know? And that's great. Like, it, it, another familial unit is potentially evolving here. And... Cassie's just happy to be along for the ride and to be of whatever support to her dad. And now she has hope to look up to. You know, maybe someday, again, without reading the comics at all, I don't know. But from the movie universe, you know, when Cassie gets a little older, maybe she gets a suit of her own. Maybe That's you know, a big theory, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, did... who knows? I don't know. Well... Yeah, if if you don't like spoilers of any kind, tune out for let's say twenty seconds. But uh, they did recast Cassie for sixteen year old in Captain Marvel, or oh, okay. whatever the future movies. I think yeah. it's Captain Marvel. Okay, even though that takes place earlier. Before, yeah, interesting in timelines. Yeah. Um, anywho, yeah, I, I think there there's a smart there that that is beyond her years. Like the fact that. You know, how many movies have we seen where the dad is someone special? Like, take Santa Claus, right? The movie. Sure. And, uh, you know, the kid there is like, my dad is Santa Claus at show and tell. Right. <laughs> Whereas here, she's bringing a trophy, world's best grandma. Right. <laughs> That's a great gag, by the way. It was. And so, you know, she she recognized, like, at the end of the day, He's her dad, and she, he has to do something greater than himself, but he's going to, to her, he's going to be her dad. Yeah. And that's all he needs to be. So um, there's a tenderness there that you don't see in most movies. And it's a very good family values kind of thing that, again, you don't normally see in, in a superhero kind of movie. But yeah, I think you you said the right word, tenderness. Absolutely. And it works. And again, it's another thing for me. It works in this movie. It's everything is scaled down, and again, I don't mean that to be funny, but it's one of the reasons I got I, I could get so involved in this because story, plot, characters, it gets scaled down to a point where it becomes a little more humanistic. The humor in this movie 
really worked. Where sometimes in uh, in a movie like this, um, I'm just going to take Michael Pena as Luis, right? Mm-hmm. They do like one of the funniest things in the first Ant Man is when Luis tells his stories, and the and the characters he's talking about like say scott are talking in his voice like that was really funny sometimes in a sequel they overdo that because it worked in the first one let's do it more in the second one but we only got it once and they made sure that it paid off because that scene was hysterical again and and he was and i'm glad how they evolved and we're going to do this security uh, company Mm-hmm. I like that too. It makes sense. It gives them a sense of purpose other than just being the funny characters in the movie. Yeah. They're a good sense of purpose. Yeah, the, 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 there was a lot of great humor about that. Why did I get the small disc? Because you weren't here. Because <laughs> you weren't here. Um, I thought, and you know, you, you had mentioned earlier kind of exposition being disguised cleverly. And one of the ways that I thought it did work, tying in Cassie um, and this exposition idea, was through Jimmy Woo, who's explaining to her what her father has done and it's just the most convoluted way to talk to a child ever but, it could be, you're right but it, it just makes it so funny because it's like you get why he's doing it in terms of the audience right but, but it also makes it funny because he's doing it to a child he's doing it to a child and that goes back to my marvel movie memory because you start to feel like cassie in a way has a glass of, like what? <laughs> it's like when all of this is happening, and the way that Randall Park delivered it too was fantastic as Jimmy Woo. And that's the other part. Like you have a character, uh, he's gonna make sure this guy's under house arrest, but at the same time, he thinks he's sort of kind of cool because he's a superhero, he's <laughs> Ant-Man, and he wants to like hang out with him, <laughs> which is like sort of funny, but then he's like, But I'm gonna get you. You know, I'll, I'll know you. I, I liked Randall Park in this movie too. Not one actor was really. I, I, you might say Walter Goggins, which is fine, but they really weren't wasted. Like people got to use their talents and be funny. Even um, I haven't liked the uh, having uh, Judy Greer and Bobby Cannavale come back. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like them again. As far as me, I thought Sonny Birch. He, to me, because Walton Goggins is such a character actor, and he does yes. tend to play the low-life criminal types, uh, this became, to me, a caricature of what he's known for, rather than right. it, it just seemed like, okay, let's recycle what he what he can do, but not add any layers to it. And it's like, okay, I guess I'll just do that. Yeah. So that's, I'd like that's, to see him play a good guy. I would too. You know, I, I would really like to see him play a good guy at one of these times. But um, you know, it, it's the other interesting thing in doing a little bit of research too is that <clears throat> Peyton Reed actually had inspiration for making this, and there were two. There were a couple of movies, but the two that stick out to me is Midnight Run uh, inspired him. Uh, it's if you haven't seen it, uh, a Martin Breast movie. Uh, and this is the guy that brought us uh, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Robert De Niro, uh, Charles Grodin. Uh, it's it's a really smart buddy or anti-buddy comedy movie that really works. Um, and then uh, this, this other movie is a, a is a Scorsese film called After Hours, if you haven't seen that. Um, uh, uh, Griffith, uh, Griffin Dunn, 
uh-huh. really another really fun kind of a movie. And um, and then he, and then there's a little bit of what's up, Doc, in this movie, which he said he made the staff watch. So it's really interesting how he what genres he picked to inspire to make this movie. But there's bits and pieces of these movies in here. And he even said to a point when they were setting up gags for for Ant-Man, like the uh, using a pickup truck as a, as a scooter. The inspiration was the some of the old silent films because those movies they relied on gags when threaded together had a plot and it and it all came to an end and when you think he goes and that's what I wanted this movie to have that frantic pace but I wanted to have a reason and then you know we were going to have a beginning a good middle and an end yeah. and he, he accomplished that yeah and- you know, one of the laws that I thought worked well, because um, I know I, I had my gripes with some of the science earlier, but sure. in Ant-Man 1, everything's about small, small, small. Right. And we never see him big. Then we get this big, quite literally big Ant-Man in Civil War. But we don't really obviously get much about it. Now it's sort of explained that he can go big. It's not an issue. However, it slows him down. Yes. Uh, and so I appreciate that because then... That sort of becomes the thing. Like, you know, they're shrinking down to size. They're shrinking the cars. The, the I, I love the lab shrinking down, by the way. Me too. And so you're like, okay, I, I buy that. We're good there. It, At you, some point, you're going to have to get bigger. Yeah. And that's going to suck yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, but again, it was pl- – I like that scene when he's out in the ferry. Yeah. Uh, that was a really funny scene. And then when he starts to get a little woozy, it's like, oh, no, he's going to fall. <laughs> like, he's getting tired. No, don't fall asleep. And he does the nasty plunge. Again, it's just really, it was well done that most recently, you know, whether we're talking about Civil War, uh, Thor Ragnarok, which is heavy, heavily driven on special effects, right? There are a lot of special effects in this movie, but they don't really overpower this movie in a really and i think that's part of the reason i like this because it was smaller it's it really was a little more humanistic well i think like you and know they, and they played like human characters who could do these things i think the <clears throat> what's great about a movie like this like the the stakes are higher simply because of the way the the level of depth we go into it with with right. the characters just because uh, you know, you can have any sort of movie and have the the plot be, right? I use the word right, plot yeah. very strategically and be, okay, the, the fate of the universe is at stake. Right. However, uh, that doesn't necessarily make it like a movie if we don't care about the characters. How, but right. nonetheless, how many movies have we seen where, um, I don't know, uh, a child wants its toy and, it, and it's going down the, the drain and it's like, right. oh, well, that's the most important thing to that kid. So we're like, aw. Right. <laughs> Anyway, right. no, you're right. Uh, but let, let, let's uh, since we're talking about Peyton Reed, let, let's go further with it because this is uh, this is now truly his first, I would say, real Ant Man. You know, the first yeah, one kind yeah. of clouded, obviously a good movie, but clouded behind the whole Edgar Wright sure. debacle. Um, I I like the fact that he got a stab at it under his own terms now, Me and too. that it was in essence what he had wanted and what essentially Marvel Studios wanted. I agree, I, and and I think because of it, 
he made, you know, some, some could argue maybe it's equally as good. I found it to be even a little better than the first one. I thought that there was, I, I learned and I got more of this character. Uh, I, I like the character now. He can slowly become one of my favorites. But I like the character as part of this team because I got to like everybody else around him too. Again, sometimes we get lost with our main character and it's tough. We, you, like Guardians of the Galaxy is a, is a great example of this too because you have a lead, but you also have to like everybody around him. And how do you parse out that time so that you get to know these people? And this, I think, is it, here in Ant-Man and the Wasp, you got to know everybody else. Everybody had their time in the sun, and, and we got to know about them. We got to learn about them. Each was funny. There was something well, heartwarming. I liked it. One, one of the was smart. One of the things that could surprise you if you kind of look at it, like the fact that Paul Rudd is a writer on the movie. Yeah. Now, granted, he's one of one of several. <clears throat> um, but you would think, like, okay, maybe this guy has an ego. Let me try to shove myself in as many times as possible. Granted, Marvel being the machine that they are, you know, they, they can slap. But I, I think regardless of that, Paul Rudd's smart enough to know, like, okay, what makes a good story? Not let me just shoehorn myself in as, into as many scenes as possible and the movie's going to suck. Right. Because that's not going to do me any good. No. Um, and, and I didn't feel that his character was shoehorned. And again, I, I think... <laughs> I think of anything... The, if anything, see, it was scaled back. Literally. Literally, figured, Yeah. So. Which, again, what sequel does that ever happen in? When your main character from the first movie comes into the sequel and it still carries your moniker, and yet he's more or less along for the ride. It's not that he doesn't do anything. He contributes to the story. But this really is about Hank and, and Hope and finding their mom. And he's helping in any which way he can. Uh, he, you know, I'm not sure what aspects he was involved in the writing, Certainly, it could have been some of the comedic aspects of it. I mean, he's done enough fine comedies and has worked with some of the best. Um, you know, he's a talented guy, and and he's um, he's likable, and and he's not unlike. Look, love Thor, love Iron Man, love Peter Quill, right? But what about those three characters that I just mentioned? They're all very likable, but they're all cocky in their own sense, right? One's a demigod. Well, one's a de- <laughs> well, it's true. But he's not, Scott's not cocky, really. I mean, he'll do it for fun. Like, well, I grew up to 60 feet. Or, or he says, well, I get to call him Cap. Yeah. Captain. You know, but they were even making fun of that. So. He does it with a the- sense of sarcasm and irony that he knows how ridiculous it is. Yes. You know? <laughs> so. Like, That's he- what Paul Red brings to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, certainly all that. Now, you know, I, well, I do want to talk about one of the early set pieces and how it was set up because um, it's really the Wasp who gets the first set piece as far mm-hmm. as action is concerned. And it's done in a way that's different from Ant-Man where the fact that she uses salt shaker to really block the door. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, as far as setting her up to be a badass, that was just the perfect way to do it. Absolutely. And part of it was in the trailer, so we got to see that, right? But it's like, wait, you gave her lasers? <laughs> oh, 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 you you didn't have the technology for my student. No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So she gets more. But it's also the way that she 
she fights. And again, not to take anything away from Evangeline Lilly, I'm sure, you know, she did a lot of her stunts and, and working with a stunt double. and fight, But her fighting style obviously is different from Ant-Man's. And it was great. And she knows the technology more just because it was her dad who invented it. So she knows the benefits of making something smaller and then you can make it big again to take out a, pardon me, to take out a, a, a villain. The scene in the kitchen was great. That was a really good set piece. I liked her running on the, on the knife. Yeah. And stuff again. That was seen in the trailer, but we get more of it in here. The salt shaker, sh- shaker scene that you pointed out. Even though I saw it in the trailer, to see it fully happen within the context of that entire fight, it still works. Yeah. I wasn't tired of seeing it. It still works. It's funny, and she's very good. And it, I thought even just the fly swatter, it gave us a nice <laughs> perspective into it because you're like, oh, she's small, but then you know she's a wasp and things like that. But you're like, oh, but she's still. She she can still be gotten in a sense, and yeah. I, I, I mean it's something. It, it's almost like a universal thing. Everyone is running with a swat, fly swatter and trying to fl- swat the fly, uh, or or a meat tenderizer, <laughs> or a knife. It's like get that mosquito away from me. Um, and again, you, you bought it. There was peril, and uh, the way she, that that she handles herself within the costume and with outside and outside of the costume. She really handled the action very well. I think as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes, she's a fine, like, female, I think a fine, needed female edition. Yeah, and and she carried the weight of that. She's gone on record multiple interviews to say that she wanted to deliver something that younger girls can look up to. Yeah. And I think she accomplished that. Yep, And, 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 you know, when you... We have Scarlet Witch... Uh, we have Black Widow. Am I missing another uh, 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 female? The, the Zoe, one f- Zoe Saldana's character. So, right. I, so, I'm blanking on the main name, even yeah, though we're in the Marvel Universe no, right but, now. But we, again, Marvel movie memory. Um, you know, there are some strong women that we've seen, likable. Um, it's nice that they can add more. And Evangeline Lilly adds a heart to it as well. You know, her love for her dad, her love for her mom. And even Scott. Absolutely. Oh, what did you think about... What a great misdirect, too. Oh, I loved it. When you thought they were at a (laughs) drive-in. Yes. They were just in front of a laptop. They were in front of, like, a laptop or a, a tablet. I thought that was brilliant. Well, I think all in all, I mean, it's... It's an expensive movie, but... Based on everything, I mean, granted, you know, they're not, they're not going to the depths of the, the entire universe, but I think they use their set pieces well. Uh, all in all, it's really kind of old movie techniques mm-hmm. as far as, listen, if you want someone to look smaller, build the set bigger. Build the you big want, set. You, you want someone to look big, build the set smaller. And, you know, just well, that's kind of the, the becomes the trick. Yeah, and they did a lot of um, the high school scene. Where where he's getting big and then he's getting that that scene was actually that scene was very funny too, um, you know like the closet, <laughs> the big closet and it's like it was like he was asked like uh, the different sizes or it was just like green screen he said only the janitor's closet the closet was one that we did sort of different scales of stuff 
And of course, for when he's running down the stairs at the end, that's the real location. But then we built this insane scale to green screen staircase for Paul to go down. So they didn't, they use green screen, but they did do like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of thing. Just make big sets, yeah. which is great. Absolutely. And that, that was funny, him and the. <clears throat> Like that was the, one of the funniest <laughs> images of him just walking, you know, three foot, whatever he is. Yeah. Oh, man. Good good comedic gags. It, it really, yeah, it really was. Very, and, very, and, and they all played to size, which mm-hmm. it worked. Like, they took what they did in the first Ant-Man, and I think they just, they really did an even smarter job in this movie. Um and there were good bait and switches, like the drive-in movie. Indeed. And, you know, uh, one of the iconic... San Francisco is mm-hmm. iconic in a number of ways for movies, but certainly every time you usually get San Francisco, it's it's mainly with the bridge and, and the, the bridge is going down type of thing. Right. Um, I appreciate how they adverted from that sort of stereotype. Sure. And the way they, they actually did end up using San Francisco. The The, the funniest way that they use San Francisco, which again, you usually see in most every movie that San Francisco is a set. And that was, um, that curved road. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't know the name. Um, damn it. I just had it in my head, but again, using a car chase scene. Okay. Now the last time I saw a car chase scene, like the way that it was done here in this movie was in, um, it was a Dirty Harry movie. Uh, it was uh, uh, it was it was the Deadpool in which he was uh, Dirty Harry himself uh, and his partner were being chased by a radio remote controlled car, and they're going over the hills, and all of a sudden he's like, this radio remote. Here we are watching this car chase scene in San Francisco, and they can get bigger, they can get smaller. They used it to take out the enemy, and then when they get to um, God, what is the name of that? It's it with a G. They get to the curvy road. They can get small, mm-hmm. and the cars can't take the. Uh, it, that was really funny using the size thing again. Uh, it was very. It was. It was clever. And we saw another part of San Francisco that we see in movies a lot, but it was used differently here, mm-hmm. in a sense. Like Borrowing that. from uh, Godzilla back in two thousand, size does matter. <laughs> size does. <laughs> it certainly does. Um. Any other um, any other stories from set as far as uh, the creation of things um, before we move on to music or anything of that nature? Um, I was looking. Well, I, was, I wanted to if I can find um, when we talk about this ultra, like this universe and the quantum <clears throat> realm. You're talking about, yeah, and what you know, and what what Jane. Uh, or, or uh, yeah, Janet Van Dyne uh, from the quantum realm, which he's been there for 30 years. And so she has these powers to heal ghosts, which was actually very nice because ghost was going to go and try to extract them from her. And we learned mm, she doesn't have to. Um, so just how did 30 years in the quantum realm change or evolve her? Um, so that I think is going to be an interesting way um I don't know. Um, but in the comic book, after all, all the comic book, Janet Van Dyne came back from an extended stay in the, uh, they called it the microverse, without any similar power up. And yet long-term Marvel comic book fans 
might recognize a universal explanation as to what's happening with Janet, one that could connect the Ant-Man movies to Marvel Studios' more cosmic output. So, basically, this micro-universe, there's a 2012 storyline during which she's believed dead uh, by Hank Pym and others. Uh, But once back in the regular Marvel Universe, she didn't display the kind of increased power her cinematic counterpart does. So that's very interesting what they're doing. That wasn't a surprise in the Marvel comic book mythology. Characters venturing back and forth. So it's going to be interesting what they've given her powers in the movie where in the comic she didn't. How is this going to play in Infinity War 2, if anything? But... I felt that the way that it was explained in the movie was like, okay, that's it. That's all I need to know. Um, You didn't have to explain anything else. I've been there for 30 years. Being in here and showing that this is a different energetic world. She goes, being here for 30 years, it changes you. You evolve. Yeah, well, I I doubt that she knows what 30 years really is. You know, like in in that, just like, with light speed travel, you age right. differently. Sure. Uh, and so I think there's some of that maybe involved. Who knows? She, she's just aging so well, though. I think <laughs> in real life, Michelle Pfeiffer is just, she's just still, still stunningly beautiful. She still has a presence. If ever you watch her older movies, uh, there's, there's one movie, uh, just want to talk about her for a minute. Uh, that I recently rewatched. I caught up with again called into the night. It's one of Jeff Goldblum's, first movies it's one of michelle pfeiffer's earliest movies and you just you watch the both of them together in this very early movie and you just know that well number one she was just destined i mean she just has it and jeff goldblum admittedly you know talks about his performance there how he's still a little shaky in his legs but you can see how they evolve to be the people that they are the actors the personalities that they are today and Michelle Pfeiffer is just, even in a movie such as like a Grease 2, there's something about her that's just captivating. Murder on the Orient Express, I was just like, oh my God, she's, she still has it. And uh, I'm really, it was really great to see her uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp and play, and, and play a character. And, and that she just really had a good time being in a superhero movie. Indeed. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um. As far as uh, Christoph Beck is a guy that we talk quite often, <laughs> rightfully so, uh, he comes in to do the score for this. Yep. Um, I I appreciate it. I think he's mm-hmm. a you know uh, he's one of the composers we're trying to track and you know highlight. And then again, as I said, rightfully so. I think he does a wonderful job, and he tends to do these comedic type movies. Yes. Not that this is only a comedic movie, but right. but uh, certainly it helps to have for those scenes that are just so funny. And and just going back to those those roots of the silent film, music played a big part in 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 those gags, right? So and he uses that here as well. Um you know, the the one thing about the Marvel movies, my 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 complaint and, and I'm not the only one who said this and and they've yet to really music in the Marvel movies <clears throat> has really been more of um, setting a tone or 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 um, just being that bed and helping the movie go forward. But there's no 
Like, I couldn't tell you what the Ant-Man theme is. theme is. You know what I mean? They really are used to help enlighten the action or, or help liven the action or set the tone for whatever's going on. That's my only complaint about the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and, and score. Um, but again... The music here is really fine. It works really well with the movie. Uh, can heighten the laughter or or whatever for te- uh, the, the, the intensity in scenes with ghosts and fight scenes. Does a really good job. Does a really good job. But mm-hmm. Ant-Man deserves a theme. As does Captain America and Iron Man. And Thor. You know, mm-hmm. I can go on the whole list. But uh, it's just interesting. I think they've just gotten to a point where maybe they'd say, oh, we have too many too many things i say you can't have enough sweets <laughs> like that but yeah i thought it was really good well who knows <clears throat> i i can't speak to that 100 percent. but uh one of the things that did fascinate me so all in all estimated 160 million dollar budget all in all estimated again 155 million dollar promotional budget right that's <laughs> <laughs> so all so all in we're looking at about over give, over three hundred, give or take. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's uh, quite a lot of money. Yeah, sure. and and then you know when you're looking at, um, look, the movie has done really well uh, thus far. I think um, they can't be complaining about it. Um, we're looking at a domestic total as of yesterday. It's a it's already over one hundred and three million dollars. Let's just call it 104 because it's 103.98, right? 85 million foreign, right? So we're looking at about 190 million all in so far. And the movie opened up in the sixth, so we're we're talking one week. It's it's doing pretty well. Um, and I would even go as far as probably the well. Let me look up. Um, <clears throat> we can look up the first Ant Man movie uh, very easily enough. You know, and I think that it, I think that well. Here's the here's the other cool thing that they credit. So you had the Ant Man movie, and it does pretty well, right? It, it it does okay, not as big as other Marvel Universe movies. Then Ant Man shows up in Civil War. And that, for whoever didn't see Ant-Man, people are going, oh, Paul Rudd, who is this? This is great. That gets waved and carried into the sequel. And I really think that they really helped build uh, a lot because, well, well, look, Ant-Man opened up to 57 million, right, on 3,856 locations. Ant-Man and Wasp, 75 that's what you want in a sequel. You want to make a little more, and they did. And, and I think that they're they're doing pretty well so far. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, I don't know how much accounts for it, but there is discussion, and you know, they kind of promote it and move their round based on the World Cup. So its worldwide total could go higher mm-hmm. once the once the World Cup ends this Sunday. Right. So who knows. You know, yeah. I, th- I think the the future is bright for Ant Man. So. Yeah, I think the future is bright for it. Um, the the cinema score on this movie is an A minus, which which is fine. Uh, yeah, I got no problem with that. Rotten Tomatoes uh, eighty six, which is fair. You know, we, well, it's a it that's a that's a solid B 
But, you know, I would have gotten B plus, maybe A minus. Um, yeah, I, again, for me, this this is a movie that was, uh, I would go say, slightly better than its original. Yeah, I think, I think it's really good. You know, I think the first Ant-Man, A, was bogged down by having to explain the rules maybe a little bit too much. And I think just in general it was bogged down by the more of the behind the scenes than anything. And this time, yeah. um, and that's nothing against Edgar Wright. Uh, no, it, we, no, no. We love him as a filmmaker. Just sometimes it doesn't work. It didn't work. And um, now the slate was wiped clean, and they got to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, I, I will. I, I'll just reiterate too. I, I really do think it helped that this character was brought into Civil War, and how he was brought into Civil War. He still had comedy going on, um, and it carries over into this film. You know, with the whole. Yeah, well, Cap wanted me. Would you say no to Cap? Cap? Oh, oh, Captain. Yeah, I can call him Cap. <laughs> like, well, wouldn't you have gone? And it was great because, uh, you know, Spider-Man was the other sort of new <clears throat> character. Right. And so, you know, each Iron Man and Captain America both had their comedic characters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, were had abilities, but, but um, were somewhat absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You know. And I think... If again, without knowing anything that's going to happen in, in, in Infinity War, the, 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 the second chapter, but it's been said that Ant Man's going to show up uh, one way, shape, or form, and I hope he shows up with the Wasp because the Wasp would want to be by his side. You know, I, I believe, and she'd be great. I think the both of them together would be super. You know, and it would add some more humor. I just, I hope they're used well. Yes, indeed. So. Well, if if we're in that realm, you know, if you don't necessarily want things spoiled, and th- th- I, listen, I can't. This isn't really a spoiler because I don't necessarily know anything more than that. But there are set photos of um, the Avengers with Captain America now as they're kind of finalizing things for the new F- Infinity mm-hmm. War and so forth. So, you know, it it's no mistake that he's going to be in Infinity Wars, right? Or whatever the title may be for that movie. Yep, mm-hmm. we don't fully know that no. either. Nope. Um, let's talk about the stinger because that sure that you know leads into the next movies. Uh, the first off, the first stinger we can talk about. The second, kind of a letdown. Especially yeah. if you, you know you're <clears throat> staying there. It, it, it's like a punchline against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with you. I, it. I wanted more other than an ant playing drums. <laughs> yes, which is a callback to the movie, <laughs> right? And it's funny, but not worth the wait. No, no, I didn't think so. It was, it was it was like they had nothing better else. It's yeah. like, well, we need to add something. And this is funny. It's like, yeah, but I just I could have been in the bathroom and on my way to the car. Yeah. <laughs> Already. So let's let's break down the first um the first one, the one that actually <clears throat> matters. So he goes into the quantum realm. They're right. kind of doing a essentially a scientific experiment. Yeah. Well, they they they're trying to get some of that maybe healing power yeah. that 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 uh, uh, was it Janet. Janet, yeah, yeah, King. You know, they're trying to see if that works. Yeah, and uh, it somewhat worked. They got him there. Yep. However, hey guys, stop being funny. Yep. And they are all three. Gone. Come all three. <laughs> and again, so it, this is why I really like this movie because it made me forget about this other stuff. And I understand that they have to bring it. I, I understand that it plays. Well, at that in a point, much it's a stinger. Universe. Right. 
so but when it happened, I was just like, oh Jesus! I go, of course, it makes sense. I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not angry for them doing it, but all three of them, <laughs> it's like I thought it was half, like all three half of them random. have to go. Oh, all three of them. Yeah, <laughs> so, and I'm like, oh, well, of course. Okay, well, he's gonna get out of that. He's gonna get out of it sometime. Well, to me, it's quite serendipitous. <clears throat> like, I think he survives not because he's in the quantum realm, but that it is kind of by chance. Because just because, to me, just because you're in the quantum realm doesn't exclude you from being in the universe. You're in the universe. You're just small sure. as hell. Yeah. So the fact that he does survive. But does Louis make it out? The, you know, I mean, what about Ghost? I mean, what about Lawrence Fishburne's character? You know, we just that would suck th- for Ghost, where she just dis- <laughs> she did all this and well, she disappears. Well, don't you think it sucks for for, for, for Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> we just brought her back. We got a beautiful beach and the we got a beautiful house at the beach of like Hawaii. Uh, she's she's dust. <laughs> well, I mean, at least it is the humane way to go. <laughs> Sure. I don't know. That's what Thanos yeah. preached, though. Yeah. Yeah. Although it would have been funny if Thanos himself was one of the people that disappeared. Yeah. It like, it's been. supposed to be random, so what? I think he <laughs> applies. I do like that you can take your house wherever you want. Who needs it, Airbnb? <laughs> <laughs> Just zap down your house. Go find a nice plot. Zap. Vacation. No, granted, I don't know if the ground was the most stable for that house, but that's another story, another day. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, other than what I said up top, it it continues what I've been finding. This has been a real summer of fun movies, Uh, and and this one is extremely enjoyable. It does fall within this MCU, and, and this year we've gotten three of them. This is the third one this year. So we had Black Panther. Uh, Infinity War, uh, and and now uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, look, a Black Panther is an extremely well made movie, really good movie. I liked it. Uh, Infinity War. I'll just wait to see how it ends. This one to me was the most uh, enjoyable. This is what going to the movies in the summer should be. I should be. I should have some decent set pieces. Uh, I came out, I laughed. It was, it was just a highly entertaining. I was very entertained mm-hmm. by this movie. Uh, and the, the MCU, like, nobody can say that there's no humor throughout. Huh, that's these the one thing movies, people can right? say. Right. It's Which funny. I think is a saving grace, right? This, this movie is, like I said, it's as self contained a, a, a movie as we can get in the MCU universe. Uh, and I found that the humor was was it was just fresh and it was what I wanted to come out of a summer movie. Yeah. It was really good, just yeah, enjoyable. Overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, in fact, uh, I know uh, we have interns here at the studio. They saw it. Uh, I didn't go with them, but they saw it with other staff members, and they'd never seen a Marvel movie. So it was a great entry point for them. They never see. Okay, well, I'm curious. Like they again, never I was seen not, one. Oh, I wasn't, okay. I, I can't speak more than that, apart from the fact that they enjoyed it. So yeah, and I also have to say too, it helps. Again, this movie was made for the big screen. Uh, I actually saw this not too far from our studios. I saw this at the AMC Burbank, and there. Their exclusive IMAX uh, 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 theater that they have there, and man, it looked. Be- 
bigger was better. And it, you know, even when great. smaller, even it was when bigger. smaller, it was bigger and better. Uh, yeah, it, it, the movie was clear. It, it's made for the big screen. So I can't I can't stress that enough. It's a really fun cinematic experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. Thank you for joining us. And if you've stuck around this long, we truly, truly appreciate it. I know uh, when it comes to the Marvel movies, a lot of you guys join in simply for the Marvel movies. But we do encourage you to join us on other movies that aren't just Marvel uh, cinematic universes. We do a lot of, um, you know, and this summer, granted, we've done a lot of franchise movies. So if you like those types of movies, by all means, join us. But we've done smaller movies as well. You know, Absolutely. Captain America, we've talked about him. Guess what? He was in a movie called Gifted, a very indie movie, but a great indie a movie. A great, that has a great girl actress in it. Again, yeah. very smart, precocious, and she's just adorable. Absolutely. Uh, it's been on cable, like the HBOs of the world, and... So Can't that's stress just, that movie enough. That's just one of many. We've covered over 400 movies. And in fact, um, we're, we're doing a somewhat smaller movie uh, right after this. The first Purge. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned for that. Then down the pipeline, we do have big movies. Whether it's Skyscraper. Whether um, I saw that last night. Look at that. <laughs> um, of course, Mission Impossible Fallout. That's, that's the next big one we're looking forward to. And, and lots of other movies. So both... In front of us, as well as in the rear view mirror, there's lots of things. And of course, as mentioned, hey, if you want to just stick to the Marvel Universe, we've got all those movies for you to enjoy. Absolutely. So thank you guys for joining us. On behalf of DMovie1701, that's hey, Dimitri. Folks, that's me. Uh, support me on Twitter. I've, I've gotten, um, well, yeah, since all those false accounts have been wiped out, I'm back down to five. Okay. Look at that. Let's bring him back to 10. Uh, Please. <laughs> even though she's not here with us at Serafini TV for Marissa, I'm at Phil Sweet Tech. And shout out to Juliet in the booth <clears throat> at Bonjour Juliet. Thank you guys. We'll see and you And Phil, I've seen you on. You've been tweeting. I've been tweeting more. He's tweeted. All right. See you guys. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.